0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Talking About Talking. My name is Ethan Becker. I'm one of the senior coaches here at the Speech Improvement Company in Boston, and I'll be your coach for this episode of Talking About Talking. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a subject that is familiar to a lot of you. So many of us have had to do at least once in our lives, and for many of us, many times in our lives, and for some of us were doing it right now i'm talking about the job interview so when we think about the interview the first thing that comes to people's minds typically is is intimidation or i hope i say the right thing or do the right thing well what are the right things? What, what should you be thinking about? All right. Well, before we get into that, I want to start with a clear, simple definition of the job interview. This should help set the tone for you. A job interview is the getting and giving of information. Let me repeat that. A job interview is the getting and giving of information. That's it. Nice and simple. Now, of course, we like to build it up. We have all sorts of negative connotations with the job interview, but it's very simply the getting and giving of information. Of course, that begs the question, which information should I be getting and which information should I be giving? Well, that's what you're going to learn in this episode of Talking About Talking. In order to help you understand that, we first want to look at what should you be thinking about? when you hear that you have a job interview. You know, here at the Speech Improvement Company, we, we were discussing what would be the most helpful for speakers at a job interview to help them become confident and help them present themselves in the best light. Well, we looked at a lot of different elements that all job interviews have in common. And we've, we've specifically picked out four elements that I want you to know, I want you to be thinking about, when you hear that you have a job interview. These are four elements that have an impact on the way that we communicate. Now, you might want to write these down, and I also want you to think about them for yourself as I go through them, okay? Here they are. Element number one, time. Time, all interviews involve time. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you think I mean by that? think to yourself for a moment, what do you think I mean when I say time? Think about time. Well, of course, there's always the issue of being on time. Yes, that's true. Yes. How about the duration of time? How long are interviews? How long do you think interviews are? We've heard things that range from 30 seconds up to five hours, up to days, we have heard. Well, how long is the interview that you're going to be on do you know? If you don't know, can you find out? You know, it's quite comfortable for you to ask. You can ask the person who's bringing you in. And if if you get there and you don't know, you can ask the person who's literally sitting at the other end of the table. When you check in on the time, it not only demonstrates that you are being sensitive and respectful of their time, but it's a good cue for you to ensure that you get across main points that you need to get across before the interview ends. So you should know how long an interview is. How about time of day? Time of day has a big impact on us as speakers, doesn't it? Now, I I know I can't see you right now, but uh, if I were to see you, I'd like to ask for a show of hands. How many of you out there would consider yourself a morning person? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, I see some hands there. How many of you consider yourself to be an afternoon or an evening person? Mm Mm-hmm. Every time we ask this question, we tend to get a nice, even mix. Well, time of day has an impact on the way that we communicate. So, of course, if you're a morning person, you want to schedule the interview in, in the morning if you can. If you're an afternoon person, schedule the interview in the afternoon. Now, I know we don't always have that type of control over when the interview takes place, but look, let's say you're a morning person and it's an afternoon interview. Well, what can you do to prepare yourself? Sometimes just being aware of it is preparation enough for our body, but perhaps you might take a nap at lunchtime. I don't know, maybe you'll eat differently. Okay, so time is one of the elements that I want you to consider. Element number two, place. The physical place has a big impact on the way we communicate things like the lighting, the temperature, the pictures on the wall, the size of the desk that's in front of us. There are a lot of things that are physical things around us that impact the way we communicate, what we say and how we say it. You ever been sitting in somebody's office and the doors open and you find yourself wondering, hmm, will I be in this office or am I going to be out in the hallway? You know, we look at pictures on the wall. Hey, does he drive that car? Oh, the guy's got kids, you know, and we start looking around. Well, that has an impact on us. If we're too hot, if we're too cold, these things have an impact on us. Well, I want you to consider the place. I want you to think about it so that it does not become a distraction for you. Recognize the things around and then stay focused on what you are there to do. Sometimes uh, it's helpful to go and visit the place in advance. Maybe we can't get inside the building, but we can learn where it is hey, and you know what, that'll help us with time and being on time because we'll, we're, we know where the interview is going to be taking place. But sometimes it's helpful if we've seen it in advance. Maybe you walk into the lobby, see how people are dressed and what's the space like, so it's not as intimidating for us when we get there. Element number three, people. All interviews involve people. What do you think I mean by that? What, what, do you want me to th- what do you think I want you to think about in regards to people? Well, you know, people, there's a lot of things. First of all, who are they? Who are they? Meaning their name in some cases. You ever meet somebody and then immediately forget their name? <laughs> well, who are they? And who are they within the organization? Who do they report to? Will they be the person that you're reporting to? Are they simply making a recommendation? Knowing who they are will will help you in formulating your thoughts and your ideas. We think about skill level. Have you ever met somebody at an interview, at a job interview, who doesn't know how to conduct an interview? They're just not very good at it? Mm Mm-hmm. We hear this all the time. Well, what's their skill level? How about their language? This is a good people one. Sometimes in an interview, interviewers, we've heard stories where interviewers start using off-color language, inappropriate things. They become so buddy-buddy with you that they start saying things that are simply inappropriate or unprofessional. What do you do? You hear questions like, so, uh, are you married? (gasps) Hey, wait, that's against the law, you can't ask me that, man. Ah, but it gets asked, and you really want that job, what are you going to do? What, are you going to tell them? Hey, uh, excuse me, but uh, that is against the law, and you cannot ask me that question. Well, you could. You want to be aware of the level of language in conversation. You know, when folks ask you questions like, so are you married? When folks ask that, typically, I mean, think about it for a moment. They're asking it for one of two reasons. They're either making a pass at you, or... They're wondering whether you're going to be willing to spend more time in the office. Are you going to be willing to travel, get on airplanes, work on the weekends? Because in their mind, they're painting a picture that if you are married and if you have children, you will not be willing to do those things. So, see, there is a problem with you simply just answering the question, yes, I'm married. Because when you answer that, you are allowing them to interpret what that means. So what you might want to say is something along the terms of, well, you know, I prefer to keep my personal and my professional life separate. Uh, does, Does marriage have a big impact on this position? Ah. See, now, in this case, what that will do is help your interviewer, who perhaps is not very skilled if they're asking that question, it will help them figure out what they really want to know, which is something along the terms of, Well, uh, marriage doesn't, but, you know, there's a lot of travel involved here, and I'm just curious that, oh, travel, oh, hey, that's something that we can talk about. Travel, I'll be happy to talk about that. How long would you like to talk about travel? (laughs) See, what you're trying to do is get the interviewer to ask you what they really want to know. That's helpful. That's not being defensive or standoffish, and it's not simply saying, yes, I'm married, and then you wonder where he's going to go with that you're helping them get to the real question. So people, that's something that I want you to think about. What do you know about them? What do you not know about them? Hey, maybe that'll help you figure out what questions you want to ask. Element number four, purpose. All interviews have a purpose. For the most part, what's the purpose of an interview? You go to an interview because you want to get what? Hired. The companies bring you in to an interview because they want to what? Hire you. <laughs> so for the most part, we go to an interview to get hired. However, that's not the only purpose for interviews, is it? As some of us have already found out. You ever been on an interview where the person, the position has already been filled? Oh, it happens all the time. Some interviews are, hap- are being conducted because they have to be legally jobs already been filled but legally they have to interview a certain number of people some interviews are being conducted because they are simply informational companies want to know what type of talent is out there and you know some companies will tell you that that's what they're doing but not always but some will some interviews are being conducted because they're trying to gain information about a competitor understanding the purpose of the interview is helpful for you in in knowing how to formulate your thoughts and organize your your questions and statements and so forth. Okay, so these are four things that I want you to be thinking about when you hear that you have an interview. Think about time, think about place, think about people, the people involved, and think about the purpose of the interview. So these are things to consider as you're preparing for the interview. Now, what, now what, what do you say at the interview? How do you know whether you're saying the right things or not? How do you, how do you make sure that, that when you are leaving the interview, you're not slapping your knee and saying, oh, I wish I had said this. Oh, if I only said that. Oh, I forgot to do. How do you make sure that doesn't happen? How do you know what to say? Okay, well, that's what we're going to learn next there are some tools here that you're going to learn that are going to be very helpful to you in this effort in ensuring that you say things that you want to say at the interview here's the first tool now we borrow this tool from formal presenting it is the tool called theme a theme you see in a formal presentation we have a theme. A theme is a single sentence, clear, declarative, and we repeat it at least three times throughout the presentation. In formal presenting, that's how we use a theme. It's exactly what you mean. It is the one thing that you want your listeners to remember about your presentation after they have gone away and they think back to it. Well, in job interviewing, it's very similar, but it's less formal. But we use a theme statement. In fact, you should have two themes. You should have one for professional and one for personal. Two themes. Here's how you get your theme. You ask, what is the one thing that I want them to remember about me? After the interview, both personally and professionally that becomes your theme it may change depending on the job you read the job description or you talk to your friends who work there and you figure out what the job is and you ask yourself okay well i understand what the job is what do i want them to remember about me after i've left professionally and personally that becomes your theme that theme will be so helpful for you When you are there and you get these wonderful questions that that we all really like to get, that something along the terms of this. So, uh, Ethan, uh, tell me about yourself. Yeah, we love getting that question, don't we? Well, use your theme to guide you there. Now, often when we get that question, we we push back a little bit, and again, we help the interviewer to to figure out what he really wants, we might say something like, well, okay. uh, Okay, Bill, could you tell me what is it uh, that you'd like to know? I mean, would you like to know what I like to do out of work or how how I work around the office? And maybe give him a menu. Whatever he answers, that's a cue for me to go to my personal theme or my professional theme. Let's say, for example, my professional theme might be that I'm a dedicated worker let's just say that's my theme. And I get asked a question like, Oh, uh, Ethan, why don't you tell me a little bit about this experience you had here? Uh, five years ago, I can see as a product manager, you were doing this. Why don't you tell me about that? Okay. So he's asking me about my experience and remember my theme I said is that I'm a, I'm a dedicated worker. So here's my answer to him. Well, Bill, I'll tell you that, uh, that was a great time in my life. I really enjoyed that, that position. And, uh, Boy, you know, we just worked around the clock there. If you ask anybody that that we worked with, those projects, we were nights, weekends, whatever it took. We would do whatever it took to get the job done, and I got to tell you, I loved it. It was so much fun, but that's the type of person I am. I get very dedicated once we're into a project, and that's what I do. Now, specifically on that job, we took this particular product and the gizmo and the touch, and then you get into the description. Did you hear what I did? I brought my theme into my answer. I knew my theme before I got to the presentation, before I got to the interview. I knew my theme. So it made it so much easier for me there on the spot to formulate my responses. Theme. Make sure you have both a personal and a professional theme before you get to the interview. This next tool will help you feel more comfortable with the interviewer who perhaps you are only meeting for the very first time and have 10 minutes with them. <laughs> how, do you, how do you create a sense that, of comfort? How do you create some, some trust between the two of you? This next tool is designed to be helpful in that particular challenge. It's what we call the human business model. The human business model. You see, all business interactions have two parts to them. They have a human part, and they have a business part. A human part and a business part to them. And the idea is that when you enter into that interaction with somebody, whether it's a formal presentation or a one-on-one meeting like a job interview, you want to enter into it on the human side, not the business side. The most common cliche example might be something like, Good morning, it's nice to see you. And then you get down to business. So do you have the reports that I came for today? And sometimes throughout the meeting with that individual, you go back to the human side and you, hey, are those your kids over there? Oh, I've got kids. That's, ah, oh, aren't kids wonderful? Oh. And then back down to the business side. And when you leave the interaction, you leave on the human side. Hey, have a nice day. I mean, imagine if you didn't do that at all. Can you imagine, if you will, you you walk into a conference room and you're sitting down. They come in. You're sitting there. They don't say a word. They sit down across the table from you, look down at your resume, look back up at you, look back down at the resume, glance up at you, and then say, tell me about your experience in 1995. (laughs) It's uncomfortable. Nobody likes that. It feels awkward. It feels... It feels there's, there's a lack of trust that's, that's just not there. There's no human beings there. <laughs> we need to have some of that human interaction. This next tool is something that we don't learn in school. This particular skill that, that you need to learn or you want to learn and you want to get good at. It. This is the skill called Listening. Now, of course, we listen when people talk to us. We hear what they have to say, and then we respond. But are we really listening? You know, hearing and listening are two different things. Sure, I can hear when people are talking to me, but am I listening to what they are saying? Did you know that the average business talker talks at approximately 183 words per minute? Did you further know That the brain is capable of processing approximately 600 words per minute. But wait a minute. Ethan, you said people are only talking at about 183. That's right. But we can process about 600 words per minute. So, as people are talking to us, we've got about 400 plus words per minute doing other things. We're sitting down at their desk and as they're talking to us, we're looking at their outfit or looking around their desk and we're thinking to ourselves hey how do I get a desk like this guy am I gonna hey will I have uh can I drive a Corvette like him am I gonna be in a cubicle in the office and we we ask all sorts of debates and discussions in the back of our minds we have all sorts of conversations going on while the person is talking because when then when they're done well they were only talking at 183 words a minute it's not too hard for me to just reply well you need to learn how to control that extra 400-plus words per minute. Stay focused. Here are some guidelines that will help you strengthen your skills for listening. It's funny. As a speech company, we've got full-day workshops that teach people how to listen. <laughs> but here are some guidelines that you can use to strengthen your listening skills. There are six of them. And if you want to write them down, that's, this is a good time to get a pencil. Here they are. Guideline number one. Get ready to listen. I mean it. Get ready to listen, physically, mentally. Prepare yourself. Make sure that you are telling yourself that I have to do guideline number two, which is pay attention. Pay attention to what is being said. And when you can do those two, you can do guideline number three, which is very challenging for most people, very difficult. It is control biases, B-I-A-S-E-S, control biases. We have all sorts of filters that pop up in front of us when people are talking, what they look like, what they sound like, the way they're dressed, what accent they have. We have all sorts of judgments being made. You've got to control that and focus on the messages that are being sent, okay? And when you can do that, Guideline number four is to separate facts from feelings. Sometimes when people are talking to us, they're telling us factual information, and sometimes their feelings about that information are a part of the communication. For example, Well, I can tell you, boy, we were really uh, really depressed last week when uh, we had to lay off about 350 workers. It was just, it was just really tough. Okay, in that statement, there was factual information. 350 people got laid off. And then there are feelings involved there. This guy's sad about it. You want to be able to separate factual information from feelings and then decide which one you would like to respond to. Guideline number five. Pick up cue words. Cue words that are being said. Cue words are words that help indicate to us where the conversation is going. So to sum it all up, sum it all up means he's coming to a close, as an example. Well, let's talk about the bottom line here. Bottom line tells you that you're getting right to the bottom line. It tells you right, you're going to get right to the numbers. Just some examples. But pick up cue words that are going to be helpful to you in identifying where is the conversation going. Guideline number six. Paraphrase. Not parrot phrase, but paraphrase that wonderful tool in our language that allows us to say, so in other words, or if I understand you correctly, paraphrasing is a great tool that allows us to not only demonstrate that we've been listening, but it also ensures that when we respond, we're responding to the right question, not something that was never even asked. Get ready to listen. Pay attention. Control biases. Separate fact from feelings pick up keywords words, and paraphrase. Those are six guidelines that you can use to strengthen your listening skills. Okay, the last tool that we're going to talk about in this episode of Talking About Talking is one that is going to ensure that you sell yourself in your best light. In fact, it's called the self-sell outline. This is a very simple five-part outline that is designed to help you sell yourself at the interview. After all, it is the getting and giving of information. Well, what information do you want to give? You want to give information that sells you to them. So how do you do that? Part number one in the self-sell outline is that you say a can-do statement, something that indicates to them that you can actually do the job. Part number two a benefit statement. Somehow indicate how you benefit their company. Part number three, experience. This is where you get into your resume and your history. And in fact, it's where most people spend all of their time. They don't do anything else. Part number four, work style. This is where you talk about how you like to work. What kind of a person are you? Do you work in groups? Do you work well on teams? Are you more of a do-it-by-yourself type of a guy? Are you a friendly person? What's your work style? You want to know about them. What's their work style? Part number five, an action statement. Don't just walk away and say goodbye. Give some type of an action statement. What should be done? So I'll call you next Tuesday. And of course, when they say, no, we'll call you, (laughs) you say, okay, well, do you have a time frame for when you're looking to make a decision? Give some sort of an action. That is the self-sell outline. Now, two things I want you to know about the self-sell outline. One is that it doesn't have to go in that particular order. In fact, it may never go in that order. But what I want you to do is make sure that you have covered each of these steps before the interview ends. So you can see how important it is to know how much time you have available to you with that interviewer. You want to make sure you get through each of these five parts of the self-sell outline before the end of the interview. Now, there's something else I want you to know about the self-sell outline, and that is that you ought to be able to do it in 60 seconds or less. That's right. Now, it doesn't mean that you do, but you ought to be able to. And when you are practicing for your interview, you practice going through all of the steps in the self-sell outline in 60 seconds or less. You know, you may really only have 60 seconds. We've heard many stories of people who've been waiting for their interview and then the executive comes out and they say, well, uh, listen, I'm out of time, but why don't you walk with me to my car? And then you have 60 seconds to get across what you need them to hear before they leave. And at the end of 60 seconds, that's their car door shutting and them driving away. Did you do it? Did you go through all of these? Do you know what most people do? Most people only talk about part number three, experience. And I'll tell you something, if that's the only thing you do, congratulations, you have brought yourself up to par with probably every other candidate. If you were going to get hired based on your experience, you wouldn't need a job interview. You'd have the job. Your experience is in your resume. Now, of course, experience is often something that we talk about, but on the self-sell outline, the work style is the most important part. They need to know what type of a person you are. Yes, they want to know the details of your experience. I understand that. But don't forget that if they don't understand how you like to work and if you don't have the discussions with them, look, if you don't know what they're like, ask them. What's the work style like around here? Get to know them. Otherwise, How else are they going to make their decisions based on experience alone? Well, many resumes demonstrate the same experience. So you want to make sure you get through all of the parts of the self-sell outline. You know, the other ones that are forgotten can do statement. We assume that they know I can do the job or I wouldn't be here. Mm -mm. It's an interview, the getting and giving of information, which information do you want to give them? Well, you certainly want to give them information that shows that you can do the job. You also want to make sure that you give them information that demonstrates that that you will benefit their company. Most people just assume that they will see their experience, the company will see your experience, and then make the connection that you benefit them. Hey, maybe they will. You want to place that job on a maybe? No, you say it. And you know something? If you're not certain... That's okay. Ask. This is a technique a lot of people use. We've heard a lot of people share this with us. They ask right near the beginning of the interview. They sit down and they say, Well, Bill, you know, um, I'm delighted to be here. And, you know, you brought me in here. And you know my background, Bill. How do you see me fitting in as an asset on the team here? (sighs) what great insight Bill is about to give the interviewee. So make sure you hit all five parts of the self-sell outline. We've covered a lot of information in this episode of Talking About Talking. I told you what to think about. When you hear you have an interview coming up, you consider things such as the time, time of day, how long the interview is, being on time. You think about the place, the physical surroundings. Is it too hot, too cold? Okay, can you stay focused? We talked about the people. What do you know? Who are you meeting with? Did they change people at the last minute? Who are they? Who are they within the organization? What's their skill level? And we talked about the purpose. I want you to think about what's the purpose of this interview. Just to get hired? Okay. If it's not, all right, just know it. Think about it. We talked about theme and how you should have a personal and professional theme before you get to the interview. We talked about the human business model and how you should enter and exit on the human side. And sometimes you have some human in the middle. You learned about listening, and some guidelines that will help you strengthen your listening abilities. And you learned the self-sell outline. How do you sell yourself? How do you choose which information you should be sharing? Well, let the self-sell outline guide you. So with these new skills that you now know about these new tools that you have, I want you to begin to think about your interviews differently. It is not us versus them. It is the getting and giving of information. And you now know which information you should be giving at that interview and asking for at that interview. So you can interview with confidence. I thank you very much for listening to this episode of Talking About Talking. I invite you to visit us on our website at www.speechimprovement.com. If you have any questions about things that I've talked about or didn't talk about in this episode, feel free contacting me. My email is ethan, E-T-H-A-N, at speechimprovement.com. And with that, folks, I thank you for your time, and enjoy! your interviewing experiences. So long folks.